Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. On today's episode, I navigate empath as a trauma response. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast. I'm your host, Luis Mujica. I was sick and depressed until I discovered that I could make music, and then my whole life transformed because I began learning how to listen more deeply. Listen to life, to the people around me, and to my body. And that's when I realized the body speaks through sensations, and learning this new language meant relearning my body and mind. I soon healed myself of many chronic conditions and then began teaching others how to do so as well. Holistic Life Navigation combines nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing to help you release stress and trauma just by listening to your own body. This podcast serves as a place to share my experiences as well as the experiences of many others who have healed and are healing through unique, unorthodox, and unusual ways. Your time to learn begins now. Being an empath can be a trauma response. This doesn't take away the skill, gift, or magic of deeply sensing into others, but it brings into focus a common experience for the empath, nervous system overwhelm from feeling other people's pain. Most empaths are not lit up from all the joy in the world. Instead, 
Their sensitive psychic-like systems are only attuning toward the painful, stressful, traumatic events and experiences around them. Any body that attunes to pain instead of pleasure or pain over pleasure is functioning from a traumatized state. Why? Por qué? Because a traumatized body is stuck in the pattern of expecting and remembering threat. So much so that it cannot attune to joy because the body would feel too off guard and lacking defenses as joy is softening and expansive. Empath as a trauma response develops very early as a means of sensing threat in one's environment. The nervous system gets so powerful, so practiced at sensing outward so that the body can be aware and ready for something potentially threatening to occur. This becomes the pattern in life as an adult empath, losing oneself while attuning to threat, overwhelm, and pain. Once the trauma response is acknowledged and healing begins, the same empathic system can experience joy and pleasure as deeply as it feels suffering and threat. What's so important about understanding this is uncoupling empath from empathy. When we hear the term empath, we essentially, from what I've experienced with others, we, and I would say even myself when I was, when I was younger before I, I did this work or this practice, it's a fixed state, right? Being an empath is a fixed state where you're consistently sensing without trying to. It's an automatic reflexive sensing into others. And I've spoken about this a bit before. Every human being has empathy. Those that don't usually are numb. There's a numbness happening over the empathy. But there's empathy. Like if I think of a sociopath, someone said to not have empathy, I see someone that's highly traumatized. I have worked with many sociopaths, highly traumatized people. And as they actually work with their trauma, that defense of not feeling that numbness starts to soften and they start to feel some sensations. So if we think about empathy as a somatic experience, we're understanding it through the lens of my body feels what I see in front of me, what I'm connecting to, what I'm hearing on the news, what someone's telling me about their experience. My body feels that. So empathy is that felt sense inside of our bodies when we're connecting or witnessing someone else's experience. The thing I have a bit of a, I wouldn't say issue with, but I think is very interesting is we don't tend to talk about empaths or even empathy through a lens of experiencing joy. Someone's telling me their experience. Ooh, oh God, I feel that in my chest. Oh, that sounds so exciting. That's an empathic experience. How often does anyone who claims or identifies to be an empath feel really alive from joy and beauty? It's pretty rare. I've met a few people that might just say they're sensitive to all sensation. That's probably more accurate. However, when you're an empath, instead of just I feel empathy, right, when I'm connecting to somebody, you're living in a state of nervous system, um, of, of having a porous nervous system, where it's a sponge just taking in all the information around it without any pause or boundary. And like I said earlier, when you're developing in situations that have unpredictable threat about to happen, you never know when it's going to come, but you're pretty sure it's going to come. Like abuse, like any kind of systemic racism or social traumas that you experience out in the world, 
your nervous system develops a sense of sensing. It's a really sophisticated, natural, healthy response to survival when you develop and grow up in a situation that is uh, very overwhelming, especially relationally with other people, right? So you get really good at sensing, or um, I would even say uh, projecting what somebody might be thinking or feeling about you or what they might do or who they might be. So what's important in this sensing and projecting is I might be standing next to someone on the train and a huge feeling of overwhelm comes over my body. And I project that that's about them. There's something in that person that I'm, I'm getting overwhelmed by. Now, this could be true. They, there could be something in their nervous system. There could be some, the way they smell. It could be their clothing. It could be the way they look. What's important here around this, this word overwhelm is we're really talking about trigger. My body gets triggered from this body right? So when we're understanding over couplings and triggers through a lens of somatic psychology, we're really understanding that when the body has traumatic experiences, it categorizes those in our nervous system and attaches certain attributes and characteristics of the world and people around us with those events. For instance, if someone yelled at me growing up every day, who also smelled like a certain cologne, and then I'm on the train 30 years later, and someone next to me smells like that cologne, my nervous system may see them as a threat, because their smell reminds me of my abuser growing up. That's an, a trigger. And that's an overcoupling. The smell is overcoupled with abuse. When really the abuse is from that first individual, the smell is just the, the overcoupling, the association with the abuse. This is important through the lens of the empath. Because again, a lot of us that say we're empaths, what we really are, is we have extremely sensitive nervous systems from developmental trauma that very quickly get overwhelmed and dysregulated by triggers, by other people's emotions, and by things that are sad or overwhelming or painful. Why I call it a trauma response is because I don't think it's, it's helpful to see it as your state or as your personality. The same way I don't think it's helpful to see trauma response as your state or your personality. Just like I always say, a sneeze is not our state or our personality. It's something that moves through us reflexively. I didn't invent it. I can't claim it. Same thing with trauma response. My fight, flight, freeze, or fawn is something my body mobilizes into neuroception, my nervous system's sensing of which action will help, help me survive a situation, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. That's what I mobilize into. I can't take credit for that. That's not who I am. That's what my body is doing. I see empath through the same light. That's not who I am. It's something my body is doing. And because it seems to do it only through the lens of overwhelm, potential threat, sadness, and traumatic events, when it's specifically through that one end of the spectrum we're really dealing with a nervous system that's so good at sensing potential threat that the body of that nervous system is living in a suspended state of potential threat, of bracing, of shallow breathing, of being prepared and ready at any moment for something to occur. Let's say this very same person that experiences being an empath does somatic healing work 
and they start releasing some of their stored trauma. They start unearthing these overcouplings and triggers. They start metabolizing that charge. They start deadrenalizing through nutrition and such. And their body leaves this preparedness for threat and it starts entering a, a security around safety, inner safety. It starts noticing, oh, I do see that person on the street, that homeless person. Ooh, I feel them in my heart. Oh, and at the same time, I feel me walking and I see that child smiling. And I notice, oh, I have like an extra loaf of bread I can give this person. Life becomes so much more nuanced. It's not just about the suffering of a human that overwhelms my system. My system now has the capacity to see that suffering, attune to myself, what other beautiful things are happening around me. And then I have the resourcing to respond to the suffering or not if I don't have the capacity. Instead, that same system not having released trauma or done trauma healing work, especially a system identifying as empath and really kind of clutching onto the title, you're going to see that it's going to overwhelm the body or deeply affect you. And it, it may immobilize you. It may be such an activating, overwhelming, dysregulating experience, then you're unable to even care for yourself. Hey, my friends, if you want to integrate the work that you hear on my podcast into your lives, including nutrition, somatic experiencing, self-inquiry, and learn how to build the capacity safely to release stress and trauma, then my six-week course is for you. My final course of this year is on October 3rd, and registration opens up on September 8th. That's pretty soon, a couple weeks away. So if you're interested, go to holisticlifenavigation.com and click on the course. Everything you need to know is on that page, including a wait list if you know you want to sign up, or an intro webinar that you can register for for free to learn more about the course. Again, go to holisticlifenavigation.com and click on the course. Now let's get back to the episode. And that might sound like an extreme case, but I've, I've worked with these cases for many, many years. And like I said, I too was like this for, for a good chunk of time. I felt extremely immobilized by the suffering in the world because of how quickly it would dysregulate my system. Now, I'll use myself as an example. Having done and continuing to do lots of trauma healing and just lots of self-relating work. I don't even like to call it work. It's like a fun way of life and practice for me now. I get to use my somatic empathy to connect. When I'm on Zoom with someone who's in a whole other country, in the Middle East even, and they're telling me a story, I get to feel with them. And that is not a small thing. I get to feel their experience in my body. My body gets to experience it with them. It's extremely connecting. And then I get to come back and attune to myself so I don't get lost in their experience. So my somatic empathy now connects me, helps me understand people, creates more compassion, even helps me intuitively guide people's bodies. Because if I feel something in my chest, chances are they might as well. And so I get to say, oh, are you feeling anything in your chest? And they say, I am, I have a lot of pressure. And then I notice my arms want to stretch. And I say, let's try stretching our arms together. And in this one moment, these two bodies holding the charge in the same place get to mirror, co-regulate, and release some of that charge. So somatic empathy and empathy is so magical. It never becomes less magical to me. 
just because I see it through the lens of trauma response or not. Uh, I, I should I should actually let me say that differently. Being an empath, the I, the the state, the fixed state of empath, and taking in that information all the time, that's when the body is turned on. It's just stuck on taking in someone else's experience. When you're able to flow and have flexibility between taking in someone else's experience and then grounding into yours, you're just experiencing somatic empathy like every human being experiences with a sense of embodiment and relationship to your nervous system. You're not dissociated while you're having empathy and then getting dysregulated and losing yourself. You're very much in your body and you're noticing, oh, my nervous system is reflecting you. Let me, let me bring it back to me. I don't see that as a strategy. I still see that as magic. I see it as this kind of body alchemy that we have that gift of feeling into other systems. When I drive on the road and I see an animal that gets hit, I feel that rush through my body as if I'm getting hit. It connects me to that animal. It's an incredible experience. And without the practice of self-attunement, we get lost in others' experiences. And that's what becomes dysregulating. Not the empathy itself, but the empathy only staying turned on to the other. It's an orientation to the other system. And as I described earlier, when you grow up in a, a, a traumatic household or neighborhood or, or society even, it's very understandable that you're going to have um, a lot of, the body is going to have a lot of mistrust around being open and defenseless. So the nervous system looks for a way to feel into other systems so it can be ready, so it can have a head start to get away if it needs to. Now, what's interesting here, the other side of the story is some empaths who cannot control their, their bodies attuning to other bodies and getting overwhelmed by their bodies, they become very isolated and removed from society and even relationships. So in these cases, an empath doesn't necessarily have empathy. And what I mean by that is they don't have the capacity to even identify or connect or feel into someone else's story or situation because their body is so defensive against the other. It dissociates from the other, removes from the other, isolates from the other because the other is very overwhelming to it. A very um, consistent example I've seen in my practice is with parents. Parents who are empaths who are so easily dysregulated from other bodies and then they have two, three, four, five-year-olds who are very dysregulating at times because they're so overwhelming. And the five-year-old's body and tantrum and, and um, touching and yelling and things that they're saying can so dysregulate the parent's body. And in that dysregulation, the parent can dissociate and kind of go into a freeze response, which looks like neglect and absence. They can become depressed which looks like, you know, sleeping in bed, moving really slowly, not being able to really communicate or talk to the child, forgetting lunchtime, dinner time. They can also mobilize sometimes in a fight response. They can yell, they can hit, they can throw things at their children. Other times it looks like flight response, sending the child away or the parent going away a lot and being away from the child. And then of course there's the fawn response where the parent can give the child everything the child wants to keep them happy because they can't handle their body when they're not happy. 
So if we understand this part of the empath lens, when my if, if my system is so easily overwhelmed by your system, and you're my child, I'm understandably going to my body's going to understandably have these reflexes that see you as a threat, and then disconnect my ability to parent you well, a lot of children, a lot of uh, adult children and children that I've worked with from this type of parent has a lot of relational trauma, a lot of ruptures, they may even see the parent as a narcissistic parent. What it really is, is a parent that's so easily dysregulated from attuning to the other. So if my, I don't have a 15 year old daughter, I will at some point, comes into the house and says something really triggering that she's going through. Let's say she's she's addicted to drugs, right? She started using drugs. She's telling me this now. If I don't have a practice of self-attunement and I'm an empath and I get very overwhelmed by her experience, let's say, I'm going to very reflexively mobilize into one of those 4F strategies. I might try to control her and dominate her by talking really fast, really loud, being really threatening. I might break down crying and go into hysteria myself. I may numb out and freeze. These things happen in our relationships with others, in customer service. They happen in any human relationship when our nervous systems take on other systems too much. Because we don't have capacity for someone else's experience. It's their experience. So it takes time as we're navigating this empath as trauma response philosophy to first notice if you identify as an empath. And if you don't, notice if it resonates how your body might take on other people's experiences to the point of you losing your own. Specifically other people's experiences that are negative, overwhelming, and traumatic. That's the key word here. If you're if you are equally feeling someone's joy as you're feeling their pain, you're somatically empathic. You're just empathizing with people in front of you. You're connecting to them. If you're mostly only attuning to people's pain and suffering or their overwhelm, or your body gets really easily overwhelmed, even from their joy, that's when it's a trauma response. That's when it's a it's a dysregulating event happening in your body because there isn't enough self-attunement. So in general, when we're working with this or we're practicing moving through it, or transforming it, we're really wanting to practice self attunement, learning how to attune to my experience sensationally, while I'm also witnessing yours. I would go back to episode 103, which is called navigating attunement. And it's all about how do I feel into the now? How do I somatically feel my current experience? If you practice the exercise at the end of that, in relationship to what I'm talking about today with the empath, it's going to make a lot of sense. And I'm curious what happens for you. If you know what you learn from this podcast or what you learn from the practice around your empathy and where your empathy is directed, is it really fixed on trauma and pain? Or is it a beautiful full spectrum of all the experiences? How easily do you get overwhelmed by your empathy? Or does your empathy connect you to others and other experiences? It's a powerful, powerful tool that we are given, somatic empathy, to feel someone's experience. And when it's unconditional and unbiased, you can literally understand anyone and anything. 
which doesn't mean you allow everything to happen in the the world or in your life. But it means that you have this connection. So you're not opposing anything or becoming anything. I can watch a video of what someone would call a dictator. And I can feel their fear as they speak. And I can understand, oh, wow, if I was living in that amount of fear, I would probably come up with some pretty controlling ideas to create some safety in my world. Then I can also watch a video of a child dancing. I actually saw a child in the train station the other day just swirling in her dress, just so excited about this dress as it moved. And I felt so giddy in my body and thought, ooh, why don't I do that more? So it's just a brilliant way to live when you have that that, uh, pendulation between them and then back to me. We learn so much about ourselves and one another. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My question for you is, where do you feel the episode? Take a breath and just notice, what's your body doing right now? Sit with it. Let it speak to you. And let whatever comes up, come up. And your only job is to listen. For all the wisdom you need is right inside of you. To learn more about my work, you can visit holisticlifenavigation.com and sign up for my mailing list. You'll receive a weekly newsletter with specific monthly topics, free resources, and upcoming events. You can also follow me on Instagram. If you like my podcast, please leave a review and share. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give into mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.